Welcome to the Die Hard Hoops podcast hosted by Stephen Kramer, Taylor Kramer, as we talk Michigan State basketball. Their national title hopes may have been dashed today. Big Ten title hopes dashed today with the loss to Maryland. We're going to back it out and take a big picture view um, of what we spoke about and some of the predictions we gave after they had beaten Illinois and Ohio State, two big-time top five wins. And we talked about, you know, okay, they're back in the, the NCAA tournament conversation. How many games do they need to win before? Okay, they're going to be in the, the big dance. And I think we're, we're still somewhat questioning. It depends on who you ask. Um, Tay, I did want to give one update, and then you have a story that I, w- I want to hear about because you just got off a plane. Very interesting. Um, but we have a lot of listeners who are in the state of Michigan, the great state of the mitten. And I'm getting messages every day about, hey, you're running summer basketball camps up here. You have any training, any spring clinics going on? And so listen, I'm telling people on, you know, any media, text, email, social media, whatever. Here's the problem. Here's the problem that I'm running into. Most of the facilities that I rent out or use in Michigan are schools. And schools have different restrictions than sports facilities, right? So for example, in Ohio, there is a facility that I train out of. And so we can run an event there and we get kids from all over to come. With schools, there's, there's different restrictions and I'm not against any of the restrictions. It's just the way it is. So when I am working many of those possible camps, those camps are essentially right now looking like they're only going to be for the students at that school. So I say that, so like next month we will have a clinic in Kingston, Michigan. And before we would get kids from mid Michigan and the thumb of Michigan all over the place attending that clinic. Only Kingston kids are going to be able to come this year. And right now, as we start to schedule our summer camps in Michigan, it's looking like we'll only be, having the kids from that specific school at our camps. So that's what it is right now. And I know that hurts a lot of people who travel from all over the place and we don't host a camp at your school, but that's the way it is. That could change. I hope that changes as, you know, as more people get the vaccine and and hopefully everybody's just getting, getting healthier and safer. Um, But that's the situation that we are in right now. That's the situation we're moving forward in until something changes. And if and when it changes, I will be sure to to let you know. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, we'll call that the the Giannis offseason, man. No training with anybody except the people on your team. Yeah. Yep. I mean it's <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not mixing with anybody, anybody else uh with with those plans except me going in and out of a few different schools. So um now Taylor, you just got back from business, a business trip. Um and you, you said something about your plane. You landed safely. You're here. Obviously, tell us a little bit about that before we talk about Spartan basketball. Uh, nothing too crazy, um, but we had some high winds in Traverse City. And um, we were coming down. We had The wheels were almost touching. And I think the plane apparently was coming in a little too sideways. And so all of a sudden you hear the rush of the engine again, and we just basically take back off. And we had to circle town for a little bit. And it was – it was a bumpy ride and I'm not someone that gets like queasy from really even carnival rides or anything like that. Doesn't usually bother me. I was feeling a little bit 
like I was going to throw up by the time we landed. There was a lot of quick drops. Now, no, it was nothing like, am I going to die right now? Um, but it was definitely the bumpiest airplane experience I've ever had. But here we are. Um, I couldn't actually watch the game today. I think I was trying to remember. I think it's only the second game all season that I've missed of Michigan wow. State basketball. Wow. Which says a lot considering how difficult it was to watch them at times this year. You but, truly are uh, diehard. I mean, that's I'm why this is the podcast right here. Exactly. But here we are. We're going to talk about, you know, the lo- longer term prospects um, heading into, you know, the postseason, the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So as we spoke, they were guaranteed five more games and we each gave a prediction of how many we thought they were going to win. I think you said you predict them to win two games and I predicted that they were going to win three games. I want to, I want to say three. I could be wrong. Might've been four. Well, Tay, they played five games. They only won two. That is not a, a great finish to I mean, people, Hey, you know, they, they had, you know, essentially three, top 10 wins within their last seven games. That's, that is great. But if you watched the game today, that's not an NCAA tournament team. If you watch the game today and um, that that's how they got smoked by Maryland before. And the other reason that it's concerning is because Maryland is also a bubble team with a very similar record. So if there's a spot, the, committee is going to look at the head-to-head matchup and say, okay, well, Maryland's a better team. They have about the same record, but they beat State twice. Maryland's going to get that spot. So weigh in. Obviously, you picked them to win two games. They did win two games, so you were correct. Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I ever said uh, that they would beat Michigan in either of those matchups. We had both, though, kind of mentioned that if they were to win one of those games, that we thought it would be the second one. And that's exactly what they did. Um, you know, Michigan, like, I do, I do not watch Michigan basketball as much as I watch state basketball. So that first matchup with Michigan, you're like, yeah, this is undoubtedly, you know, a top two or three team in the country. And, you know, those teams you could kind of shuffle around at the top there. And then you watch the, the second matchup against Michigan State, and you're like, yeah, you know, Wagner isn't really doing a whole lot. He's not like a major playmaker. Dickinson – you know, he kind of disappeared and um, but that's just judging them on what didn't really look to be a great performance and Michigan state like took it to him in that game. And so I don't, I'm not really worried about selection Sunday. I think that Michigan state is firmly in most of what I've seen on Twitter says that they're, that they're firmly in some crazy stuff could still happen. If you have some of these bubble teams that are, you know, going on and winning their conference tournaments um, something like that, but really I'm not feeling too bad about their, their chances of making the tournament. Whoops. Sorry about that, everybody. Forgot to unmute. Hey, it happens to everybody. Don't get mad at me. It does. We're, it all, does. we're all human. Here's the thing. I'm as a paranoid Michigan state fan. Why do you feel so comfortable that they're in? Is it just because what everybody else is saying? Yeah, I think from what I've seen from the experts, they do think that heading into the Big Ten Conference Tournament, that 
Michigan State, they were judging them based off of those three top five wins that they had in the previous 13 days, something that has not been done in 55 years. Now, it's strange to say that one of Michigan State's worst teams accomplished history in that way, um, but they're looking at and saying they did enough leading up to this tournament that losing to a Maryland team that, yeah, has their, has their number this year wasn't going to be um, erasing any of that previous progress in the last two, three weeks. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at the record and I, I, the hard part for me is I see 15, 15 wins. 15 is as close to 10 as it is to 20. And I, I was looking at this and I was like, if they can get to 16, they're going to be in. They're not going to get a great seed and they don't deserve a great seed, but they're going to be in. But when I see the number 15, I'm saying there's, there can't be, I'd like to know, how many teams have ever won 15 games or fewer and made the NCAA tournament? What's the, what's the history on that? Now, if you're going to win 15 games, Michigan State has won a pretty solid, respectable level of 15 games. Now, what I'm hearing is that there could be as many as 10 teams in the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament. So let, let's rattle off these real quick. Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Purdue, and Ohio State. They're all going to get very, very high rankings, okay, and deservedly so. Then you have Wisconsin, who, I mean, Wisconsin at one point was what, like a top 10 team, right, as was Michigan State. It's crazy. And Wisconsin is 16-11. But they're in, right? And so now you're left with three more Big Ten spots. You have – Rutgers, Maryland, and Michigan State. Rutgers is 14 and 10, 10 and 10 in the Big Ten Conference. So I'm looking at that and I'm saying Michigan State or Rutgers, Michigan State has the edge over them, correct? Yeah. And I look at Maryland and I say, okay, Maryland has one more win. They have the same conference record and they've won both head-to-head matchups. Maryland has the advantage over Michigan State, even though State had – but like you said, hasn't been done in, you know, 50 some years with the top five wins that they've had. So if people are saying that there's going to be 10 teams in the big 10, I'm saying, okay, well, Michigan state is probably the ninth best team in the big 10. So that makes me feel pretty good. But the fact that they only have 15 wins and the way that they played today is going to leave such a terrible taste in the committee's mouth if they're really trying to go by just the, the, the little hair of what what's that last team going to be in and how are they looking heading into the tournament? I mean, this does not look like the team that knocked off three top five teams not that long ago. Yeah, it, it does leave a, a poor taste and not definitely not something that you wanted to have be the kind of the last memory that the committee has before going in and making these final decisions. I think it was just, it, it quite literally was enough, the things that they did the previous two weeks. And I think that that's what we're going to see. Even when you can start to nitpick, you know, about like, well, Maryland uh, has beat us in their matchups this year, but unfortunately when Maryland beats a Michigan state team, it looks like they just beat a mediocre Michigan state team, which is the truth. 
as opposed to they're not getting any of the clout that comes with beating a Michigan State team that also beat three top five teams. Like the, those things don't transfer over in, in terms of the benefits. And so that's why, I mean, this is, I think that the committee was totally prepared to put Michigan State in the field prior to this most recent loss to Maryland. And that's why I'm feeling, you know, I'm not putting any extra deodorant on, um, but I'll, I'll be sweating slightly, but not too bad on Sunday. Okay. All right. Well, that, I mean, that makes me, that makes me feel better. I mean, it's, it's so close and I, I agree. It's, I mean, they're right on, they're in or they're on the verge of being in, which is why I felt like 16 wins and okay, I'm not sweating either. They're automatically in. I can go yeah. no, de- I could go no deodorant on Sunday. I'm feeling mm-hmm. that confident. Oh, right? absolutely. Now, I'm not much of a deodorant guy anyway, but with, the, neither, with that, right? yeah, I just, you know, I kind of gave it up after I lived uh, in Germany. Nobody wears deodorant over there. They're just <laughs> Europeans have a different smell to them. Um, they dress, they dress much better than us in the U S but mm. um, deodorant, not a, not a thing. So okay. um, yeah, I just felt like they were that close from 15 wins to 16 wins to, to really getting, getting in for, for sure. Um, I mean, Michigan state has, I want to say, what am I looking at? They've, they were 12 and three at home this year. They had some cupcake games in the beginning of the season as they always do as any big time team does three and eight on the road. There's just, yeah, I don't know. Let's talk about, let's talk about the Michigan game, both Michigan games, I should say, before we finish out the podcast, what did you see from the first game to the second game that held true to, or, or maybe surprised you from what we talked about prior? Well, firstly, I'm surprised that we won the second game. <laughs> After watching that first game, it just, I mean, they looked outclassed. And what's, what's annoying but also kind of fun is that, you know, we're really blessed in Michigan with having had such great coaches lead these programs. And it just looks like at this stage that Howard and Izzo are just going to be exchanging blows, you know, until Izzo retires. And then we see if Michigan state can bring somebody in to continue to keep up with what Howard's doing. Um, It just seems like for as long as those guys are going to be there, no matter what their teams look like, you might just have to chalk it up to 500 and then maybe they meet, you know, in a big 10 tournament somewhere down the line. But I was thinking after that Michigan game, and of course the camera always pans to to the team that's doing better and, and, and showing their bench and everything. And, and they're just talking about how much the Michigan players love playing for Howard. And I think that a lot of guys liked playing for Beeline too. Um, but Howard has this ability to really recruit. And what's actually um, been maybe a saving grace in a lot of ways is this option for players to go to the G league or go pro. And he's lost a couple of five-star recruits to, to those options. But anyway, as far as actual gameplay, Michigan was as advertised in that first game. They're sharing the ball. They're locking up defensively. They're really versatile. Wagner was looking um, awesome. And every time Michigan would maybe make a little bit of a push, they're doing, you know, what, what good teams do, what great teams do. And that's hit a big shot to stop the bleeding. And so livers was hitting big shots. Someone was coming up with a three to stop any little run that Michigan might've had. And that Dickinson had his way. The shift um, honestly just seemed in that second game, like Michigan didn't 
really care as much. And they had already locked up the Big Ten regular season title. Um, don't remind Illinois fans of that. And they just looked like, you know, they didn't want it enough. And Michigan State was fighting for their lives. Now, it's a rivalry game, so there's really no excuse for Michigan not to be ready. Um, but that Michigan State just outplayed him, and Rocket Watts went nuclear again, like I thought that he was capable of doing. And kind of a cool, I don't know if you heard that storyline, um, but Rocket Watts, he's saying he played so well because that was the actual um, first time his mom has ever seen him play in college. And she says she's not a big sports fan, um, so has never watched him play in person. But I thought that that was really cool. He was able to do that and probably save our season. So, yeah, they're not getting in if they don't win that game at all. No, like, no, they're not. It's not. They're fourteen wins. No way they they win and getting into the tournament. Um, losing that one and then losing the next game to to Maryland in the Big Ten uh, tournament. So. I, I agree. I, I think it was a combination of all the things that you mentioned. I also think, you know, on a short end scouting wise, Izzo is maybe the best and, um, you know, being able to see what Michigan was doing and then being able to prepare once again for that same team, you know, he, he was going to be able to push every button, every strategy that he needed to, to win that game. So, I mean, I, I just think if, if Tom Izzo is playing any team, in a really short window or playing any team twice in a row real quickly, he probably has an advantage over the other coach from a strategy standpoint. Um, and like you said, Michigan didn't have anything to play for. So, I mean, besides, they always have something to play for. You always have something to play for in the rivalry game, but they looked very relaxed and comfortable saying, okay, we got the big 10 regular season. It looks like their eyes had kind of shifted towards now the big 10 tournament. So, I want to ask you a couple of things. Who do you think is going to win the Big Ten tournament? Oh, man, that's a good question. I wouldn't be surprised if it is a team that's maybe a little bit unexpected. Um, but I think the safe bet is probably is probably Michigan. And I, I what are the seedings? Would Illinois and Michigan meet in the finals of that? Uh, yeah, Illinois is the second seed. So – that that's going to be tough. Illinois waxed Michigan without um, their point guard in that matchup. And Illinois has Michigan fans are going to hate this, but Illinois has a legitimate case of why they should be upset for not having like at least a share of the big 10 uh, title. They have more wins than Michigan does yeah. and they beat them in their, in their single matchup. And that was one of the complaints I had about Michigan's schedule is that those top top end teams, again, I still think Michigan is better than a lot of those teams but they only had to play those guys once. And so when the margin is that narrow between, uh, you know, first and second, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, the stuff that Illinois is saying. So I still think I would take Michigan to win the big time tournament though. The revenge factor could be, could be pivotal. And um, so j just because of that, um, I give a slight edge to Illinois. Um, but as an all around team, the skill set, the, variety of ways that they can hurt you. Michigan is the Swiss army knife of the big 10. They can beat you in any which way one thing can go wrong they can still beat you, you know, in, in a ton of different ways. It's, you know, it's the paper cuts. It's the, the many knives. It's whatever it is that all the sayings are. I'm not up on a lot of that stuff. They can hurt you in many, many, many ways. Mm -hmm. um, 
So moving on to a couple NCAA tournament predictions, which will be the tournament starts a week from today, Thursday. Surprises? What do you see with Michigan State or any other teams that you think are going to make a deep run? Nothing would surprise me, man. Um, I think that heading into this, I prob- I'm going to have to look at it and see how Michigan looks throughout the rest of this Big Ten tournament. But I, I have to think that I would pencil them in as a Final Four team. Uh, Michigan State, nothing would surprise me. They could get blown out by 30 points, and I would not be surprised. Or they could win two games. That wouldn't surprise me either. The, the period where I might start getting surprised by Michigan State is if they're actually making like – you know, an, a, an elite eight or something like that. But I think they're going to have the advantage of playing teams that don't, that don't know them. And I think that that's really going to help. And I do think that we kind of have an ace in the hole with Henry. He's a matchup problem for, I think, almost every team. And he does some really, really special stuff. I mean, if we're going to go back to the Michigan game, Wagner is an elite defensive player. It's probably why he's going to be, um, you know, a top 15 pick. And at the end of that game, Henry – got some really tough buckets against him. And those are the types of things that in the tournament, you need to have a player that can kind of make some of those um, tough contested shots. You know, as the shot clock is winding down, we can go to him in the post or he can kind of slash. And so nothing would surprise me. I got to see the bracket first, but I'm definitely going to have Michigan State winning at least their first game. I mean, I might put them in the final four, but um, (laughs) that's just what I'm thinking, that they're going to definitely win at least one, two wouldn't surprise me or they could get blown out. I don't know. Yeah, I think the peak, assuming they get in, the peak Michigan State gets to the Sweet 16. And the Michigan State that we've kind of been seeing on and off throughout the course of the year is out in the first round in a very ugly basketball-type performance. Their turnovers today were off the charts. I want to say they were outscored like 28 to two or something on, don't quote me on that, but it was something absurd because of off of turnovers, like the points off of turnovers were ridiculous. And there were, again, there were just, there's passes where I'm like, dude, what were you looking at? The other dude just caught it and on the run, like literally like you were passing it to the other team. They caught it on the run in stride and they're off going the other way mind-boggling for uh, any type of college basketball team. And they they did it at an all-time level in the game today. It, it, it was just wild. And then you, you throw that into the fact that they had uh, – uh, the foul trouble was – I was like, come on. Like Mich- Michigan State just played a very physical brand of basketball to finish the whole regular season. And then they get called for everything. I'm not a big guy, like – they didn't deserve to win the game, but the foul calls were, they were a big game changer. I felt like, especially in the first half where state had this lead and then it, it just kind of like, okay, what, what happened to the game? You know, because the fouls were, were that out of control. Yeah. I want to jump in on, jump in on that. So as college basketball fans, you need to prepare yourselves to be watching some incredibly brutal and frustrating basketball throughout the tournament. College basketball has a problem with its officiating, and it's not even about bad calls. 
It's just about the fact that they can't maintain any consistency between the first and the second half or even for five straight minutes. And there were times when Michigan State was beating Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, where you're like, ooh, was that a foul? And then and, and they didn't call it. And then you go back and watch the replay and you're like, no, that's just physical basketball and the refs didn't call it. And then the next game or the next half, things can just totally flip. And they're really doing a disservice to the fans. There have been moments that have been like unwatchable. You have really, really tight games and it's unwatchable, the kind of calls that they're making. And they might call four or five moving screens in the first half and then they won't call a single one in the second half. Now, you could say the players are figuring it out, or you could say that the, the refs are just kind of changing their approach to the game, and, and I'm thinking that that's what it is, and it's made for some really difficult-to-watch basketball, and it's going to break some people's hearts because their star players are going to get three quick fouls in the first half and have to sit, and you're going to see teams lose that don't deserve to lose. Yeah, I mean, it's a good example today. I mean, Hauser was in foul trouble. He was – it was like, okay, he's just – not an impact today because of his foul trouble. And I don't know if it was him or another player, but just an example, outside the paint, hands up, guys driving the right baseline, offensive player jumps with the shoulder into the defender, goes up and takes the shot, initiates all the contact. Michigan State player is straight up and they called foul. And the whole team and Izzo and everyone is just like, well, what, what can you do if you can't do that? You just turn to the side and let them make the layup. Like everything about it was, was a great possession. I don't think, you know, it wasn't a flop. I don't think either player fell down. Maybe the offensive player trying to sell the call. I can't even remember. But I was like, that, that's the frustrating part is the consistency of how the game is called, whether it's game to game or even through the course of the same game. Um, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but the NBA is even worse with, I want to say worse. I think there's some consistencies at the NBA level, but the fact that they call so many fouls is getting ridiculous. Nobody wants, you're ruining the product, right? You're ruining the product because nobody wants to watch a bunch of people shoot free throws. And it's just free throw line, free throw line, free throw line, free throw line. You're like, Really? Listen, I went to a high school basketball game a couple weeks ago down in South Carolina, and I was so programmed from watching basketball on TV for all these fouls to be called. And then it was a well-played physical high school basketball game, and the officials weren't calling fouls at all the things that I'm watching on TV and were called fouls. And I'm like, wait, are the, should the officials be calling fouls for these, the contact? And so I'm looking at the bench. I'm looking at the players. I'm looking at the coaches and the coaches were, they weren't complaining to the refs. They weren't anything. That's just how you play basketball, at least down here. And it's just a physical, fast, aggressive style of basketball. I'm like, wow, truly high school basketball, at least in South Carolina is more physical than NBA or college basketball. And I, I tell you what, from, some of the style of play down here. I would rather take some of that from how the game is officiated and bring that back up to what's allowed at the higher level of basketball. Players will adapt. They're going to be fine. Um, you know, it's just, we, we have to do something from how the game is officiated to 
make it a little bit more physical, in my opinion. I agree. And if you, I know we got to go, but if you're a player that is playing more than 20 minutes in a college game, you will be impacted by a poor call from a ref at, at some point in your 20 minutes. Plus the ref is going to make an incorrect call against you. And that is part of the game. Right. I'm not saying anything. Yes. yes. This has nothing to do with officials. This has nothing to do with officials. Right. I know, I know officials. I have officials that are friends of mine. They are awesome. Great people. In fact, out of all the people that I respect in the game of basketball, officials are one of the most respected people out there. And all you guys that are listening, and if you're giving officials a hard time, come on, like really, just because you paid your $5 to get into a game or whatever, that, that doesn't give you the right because they're hardly getting paid any money. They do it because they, they love the game and they're trying to do a good job refing the game. Okay. It's not the officials. It's, it's the overall, like, NCAA and what they're saying, okay, this is a foul now. This is not a foul. And trying to figure out what's going because they're changing some things. So I think officials are like, wait, this, if you know, say they've been reffing for 10 or 15 years and they're like, wait, this, this wasn't even a foul five years ago, but now we got to call it every time. And so I can see how officials can be even more inconsistent at the college level now because they're, they're getting instructed to call fouls for things that they haven't been calling five or 10 years ago. Yes. And that's why if they're going to continue to call it this way, you have to move to six fouls for the college game. Yeah. If you're going to continue to um, increase the, the ticky tack foul calls, then you have to give players more than five fouls in a college game. And so that's just something that I'm, I'm preparing myself for. I'm preparing myself for, for Aaron Henry to get some early fouls and, you know, for us to possibly lose the game based on stuff like that. It has a drastic, drastic impact. And again, it's not the individual refs. It's, it's the way that, that they're being told to, to do this stuff. And it's the same with the NBA and hopefully we can start to transition and, and adapt to the, the trickery that the players are getting away with in the NBA game. That's not as big of a problem in college hoops. Um, but in the NBA, it definitely is. Players have figured out how to trick the refs, and um, there has to be some changes made. Absolutely. We're not asking for 90s basketball where it's literally a, a slugfest and anything like that. But if, if we could move a little bit more towards, like, I don't know, the 2006 to 2010 or, I, I don't know, some mix of – the 2000 area. I know that was a really physical time. The Pistons in 04, I mean, it was seriously physical basketball, but overall in the league as a whole, the nineties was like a real slug fest. Um, so if we could just find some type of a medium and have some consistency with it, um, that would make the, the game of basketball really entertaining for everyone. And uh, the games would go faster. There wouldn't be just trip, trip, trip to the free throw line. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to grow your fan base because of that. So I got to go. Um, we apologize. I still listen officiating rant. Neither one of us planned that, but we got it off our chest. Yeah. I feel a little bit better. And I know that people share these sentiments too. Um, just, you just do. bear in mind. Yeah. That, uh, you know, you don't have to hate individual refs. It's, it's just a poor system and we'll, we'll hopefully get it figured out. Yep. All right. Thank, thank you guys for, for listening. Uh, go state. Um, look forward to hearing from some of uh, your Michigan fan friends. Taylor, I know you have some friends that listen to this that may be 
Michigan fans. Um, and, and so we're really going to see, you know, how their national title and Big Ten title dreams, um, you know, is that going to be a reality? We're going to find that out pretty soon. So stay tuned to the Die Hard Hoops podcast. We're going to be talking a lot of basketball over the next couple of weeks. Peace. Peace.